Testing, 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 do you read? We in here! It's time for the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. Episode 18 of the Midday Man the Sports Podcast. Eric Miller alongside Noah Megler. Thank you for joining us wherever you may be listening, whether it be Anchor, whether it be Spotify, Google, Apple. The list goes on and on and on. And I don't really want to continue because I feel like I'm a broken record and one of those energizer bunnies. Um, I've been up since 540 this morning and I'm going strong. I got my first cup of coffee today. Noah, how are you doing, sir? Well... I'm excited, as you can tell, because my Boston Celtics took down the Brooklyn Nets in only four games. Everyone thought that this was going to go to seven. I mean, I even thought this was going to seven. But, man, a great job by those Boston Celtics from Jason Tatum, from Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Robert Williams coming back sooner than we expected. And we are the first team to go into the next round. And now we get a little bit of extra rest. We'll take on either Milwaukee or Chicago, but it's feeling good. How about you, Eric? I'm burnt, honestly. (laughs) If you look at me right now, I'm literally, my legs are on fire. This is what happens when you read on a beautiful 85-degree weather on a Sunday afternoon with no shade and no... No sunscreen. My legs, if I would show you them, but they are just. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. I've, I mean, you I've see been my sun- face. So, like, I obviously got some color this weekend because I was outside every day. But, yeah, okay. I, I'm burnt. But, honestly, the sports world has been great. Um, obviously, having a lot of things to talk about. The NBA playoffs. We are doing our our first ever NFL first round draft mock draft on the Midday Man of Sports podcast. Um, question of the day, as always, this day in sports history, quote of the day, everything forthcoming. And I like besides being burnt, sports has been fun to watch right now. I mean, you got the you got the terrible strike calls on Sunday night baseball against Kyle Schwarber on the Phillies and the Brewers game. You got Joe Girardi saying, well, this is the reason why I think we should go to the electronic strike zone. But, you know, and then you got the Yankees winning, sweeping the Guardians of the Galaxy. No, 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 not the Guardians of the Galaxy, but just the Guardians of Cleveland. So. There's a lot of good stuff to talk about on this yeah, show. Yeah, you're, you, you're dodging the whole Saturday incident, aren't you? No, I don't know what you're talking about. What's Saturday? Yeah, I, yeah, I know. You, 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 you win that way, and you disrespect Cleveland like that. I mean, come on. Hey, if you, I don't know if you've heard, but did you hear the video of Travis Straw talking and getting up into the fans' face and saying, "I'll." do things you know i'm not obviously going to say on this show but yeah i mean audio, i mean i, I only caught a glimpse of up it there. he should not be going up there there's a reason that wall is there they can say whatever the heck they want but you cannot react that way yeah but at the same time it's just like you know you throw trash especially after you win like even judge and stanton are like come on guys yeah. like that was ridiculous, and I did not like that. And of course, a friend of mine asked me, "Like, dude, what happened to your team?" I'm like, first off, I didn't. It wasn't me. 
even though I was going to go to that game, I chose not to. Um, but they're, I'm like, oh, yeah. stupid people doing stupid things. Like, not all Yankee fans are like that. Not all um, people are like that. But unfortunately, we do have people. I mean, look at what was it, Saturday's NBA playoff game when the woman, two people ran into the court of the Minnesota Timberwolves at a basketball game. And it's really funny. I don't know if you've seen this clip either, but the guy was watching this woman. I don't know how long he had been watching her. And I don't know if she was sitting there the entire time, but she was one row back from courtside seats. And the guy was just looking at her, staring at her. And then finally she booked it and he bam booked it right on her and grabbed her. I thought that was the most funniest thing I saw this weekend. Yeah, it's been all over that entire series, protesters interrupting the Timberwolves series against the Grizzlies. I mean, wherever they've gone, one person's glued their hand to the floor, chained themselves to a basket, and then ran out onto the court because they're protesting Glenn Taylor, the owner, because of his uh, treatment of a chi- at a chicken farm. Pretty much his inhumane treatment of how they dealt with the situation, whether how they're pretty much killing them or even just how... There was a whole influenza outbreak there, and plus, I think they fired some people as well. So it's all part of this protest against the Timberwolves owner. But that's something you would do like outside of the stadium. Not, I mean, granted, I get why they're doing it because it's a national stage. You're getting the national media coverage, but there's a time and place for that. And an NBA game, especially when players are already at a all time high, like the fact that they're playing a game, it's an intense series. They want to win. They're doing everything they can to win. And you jump in, in the middle of it. It's kind of like what we talked about last week with how the media coverage um, of people that retire towards the end of it. And they, the media always asks these lame questions. I call it. We're like, well, what does it mean about your legacy? Listen, we're not thinking about that. There's a time and place to talk about that when that press conference comes. We just lost a game. Let's focus on the game. That's what the greats do. But with protesters, they just find a time and place, and they're like, I'm going to protest. I'm glad that you actually told me about that because I was wondering, why are we seeing so many protesters in this in this stadium or this arena? But like, there's a time and place. And if anything – why didn't you protest Purdue chicken? And I don't know if you ever saw Food Inc., but they did some sketchy stuff, and it's documented in there. But, of course, again, it's because this guy owns a basketball team. His True. team is in the playoffs. And so if you're going to be acting this way, we're going to disrupt your product. I mean, the Timberwolves players have nothing to do with this. No, but no. yet, just imagine, I mean, just to wrap this topic up, because we've got a lot to get into. Yeah. Basically, imagine, you know, if this were the NBA finals and, you know, this were to happen because, you know, heightened security, how much you're really spending on tickets? Like, come on. Yeah. At some point, it's like the NBA will take measures to make sure this doesn't happen. I Can I just say for the final note, can someone just do something to Patrick Beverly so he overreacts? That's all I really want to see. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Just his reaction. But speaking of the NBA playoffs, um, what has been a team that has been surprising to you? All right. Well, so far, I mean, we could go either way, I think, and surprising. But I would say the fact that so far Toronto has not given up. I mean, 
that I really thought Philadelphia would have taken this series. Like I, 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 may, I remember making my prediction saying that this was going to go to seven games. And then once we got past game three, I was like, oh man, I think I messed this one up. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. And then obviously you got the Joel Embiid injury, apparently a torn ligament in his thumb. And I mean, he's going to play through it. But then you look at how Toronto has just responded. They they went back to Philly last night on Monday and were able to extend it to another game back to Toronto. And here they are. This feels like a new series. I mean, all of a sudden, where if Toronto can really defend their home court, this is going to be their chance to try and sneak into the next round. And it would be a sneaky upset, especially considering how Philadelphia, being a top team and knowing that they have a lot of pressure as people have said, I mean, I still think that that they'll be fine even if they lose this series, but some people feel that there's a lot of pressure considering if you blow this, since, you know, especially you, you blow another lead. I mean, people will be going after Doc Rivers, especially. Oh, they already have. It's, I don't, like, I understand it, but Doc Rivers is not the problem. Like, you have one of the top five coaches in the league and maybe of all time, who has had a great successful history, it's it's some of the it is to me is one of the surprising teams. One team that surprised me the most is the Boston Celtics. Honestly, um, I don't know. I don't remember if I'm looking correctly at my notes. If I pick, I don't remember if I'm looking correctly at my notes. If I pick them to get you, you, you pick Brooklyn. Um, you pick- yeah, I thought that's what I thought, and honestly, I. I didn't think they were going to win. They were going to play this well. They own the Brooklyn Nets. Besides game one, that probably should have gone to the Nets. But it's game, game one, one that probably should, should have gone, gone to the, the Nets, but the Celtics stole it. So I'm hearing some like weird audio stuff in my uh, headphones. I don't know if you are or not. But no? Okay. Um, but looking at the last couple of years for the Celtics, They lose to the Nets last year, so they already redeemed themselves from last year. They lose the year before in the conference finals in the bubble against the Miami Heat. They lose to the Bucs four games to one in the semis. They lose to the Cavaliers back-to-back years in the Eastern Conference Finals. We were wondering how long was it going to take for the Boston Celtics to finally get over this hump. Well, now, I really feel that this team – they, they're on a collision course. And also, think about this. With Chris Middleton out for the next however many games, couple weeks or whatever, that could really determine it. Obviously, the Bucs should win in six. It should have already been done. Maybe tonight they can get it done. And if they don't, they should really get it done in six. But if they don't, man, this Brunette, or this Boston Celtics team against Milwaukee Bucks. That would be a series to watch. And I think that we may see them in the NBA finals instead of the 76ers. Cause right now they are the, if I'm ranking these Eastern teams, I'm putting Boston at the very top right now. That's how impressed I am. The momentum has really shifted in the NBA at this point in the season, because I still remember I've said this before when Boston was like in the 10th seed, I was thinking, okay, so we're going to be in the play in game and, you know, we're going to end up facing like Miami or even Philly in the first round. And this is just how it's going to go. But then coach Ime Udoka has found this team and its strengths. I mean, he's a, he's a new coach. This is his mm-hmm. first year. And I, I like the fact that the moves that Brad Stevens has made, in the front office. He brought back some of the core guys from this team. He brings back Al Horford, and he brings back Daniel Tice, and you bring in Derek White, who's actually really filled in his role 
in what we've seen in his I miss play. White. And he was on the Spurs, by the way. You stole him from us. Well, apparently you didn't want him. And well, that's because he he was better off on a better on a play playoff team than he was with us. Yeah, I think we gave you a draft pick in return. Yeah, well. So, <laughs> and then the fact that it worked out this way, Boston. Ha- I I think just you look at this series, Boston was just more of a cohesive group that you know this team had been together. Tice knew the system, and Horford knew the guys. Like they knew who they were playing with, and. You just look at all this te- this team just be- finally playing together, and also Coach Udoka. He came from Brooklyn, so he knew how to play against Nash, knew how to beat Kevin Durant and all these guys. And then also, it's just the defense was so good, especially considered Game Three. A lot of missed shots. Kyrie was over seven from the three point line in Game Three. That's pretty bad, considering you know. You always look at the highlight reels and there's Kyrie Irving knocking down a clutch three. And that's always been part of Kyrie's game. I mean, obviously he's great underneath just getting those simple points. But when you take away the three ball from him, that that really takes away some points. Also, Claxton for Brooklyn. He missed so many free throws. He missed so many free throws. He tied a record that was held by Shaq. And they mentioned that. And it was like eight straight free throws, and that was pretty bad. And then just as Brooklyn couldn't make an impact in the playoffs, a lot of people thought they would, but yet didn't win a single game. And then Ben Simmons, Mm. hello, where are you at? Like, they said he was going to play yesterday, and that trade for with James Harden didn't really result in anything. You got games out of Drummond and Seth Curry, but nothing – out of Ben Simmons, and yet the Sixers fans I know are laughing because like, you see, you wanted them, you could have them, and now Brooklyn's done. And some people are wondering, oh, well, is this the last time we're going to see Kyrie and and uh, KD play together? I mean, I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, I would think they'd try to give this another shot, considering Steve Nash even knows that this is a team that hasn't been playing that long together. And yet we got Brooklyn, Boston got their revenge after, you know, Kyrie stepped on Lucky last, last year. He stepped on the logo right at right. center court. That really got into the crawl of uh, all Boston fans. And also, and also just looking at this, it, it, I find it ironic that you got to remember that going back to that trade with KG and Paul Pierce, that guy that we ended up selecting after we traded the pick to Markel Fultz of the Sixers, we drafted Jason Tatum. And he was the guy that everyone has been talking about. <laughs> Yeah, and Jason Tatum, obviously, he's, it seems like he's the next uh, Kobe to be. I mean, that one play that he did last night with the footwork, that that was such MJ, Kobe-like, when he pump fake, drove in, and then got into the lane and laid it in. Oh, my goodness. that And I, I said, even when he was at Duke, that he is the clo- he's the next closest thing to Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Like just the way he moves and the way he plays. And he's now starting to get to that mentality. He's already had, like I said, understanding the game. Now it's starting to click. And this Boston Celtics team has been built for quite a while. I mean, Marcus Smart has made it to the playoffs how many years for the Boston Celtics? He's been in the league eight years. He's made the postseason all eight years. He's made it to three conference championships. Even though they haven't made it, They've also played against a very deep LeBron James-led team by on the Cavaliers. Obviously, they had Gordon Hayward on that team that went down with that horrific injury in the first game of the year. You can't really blame them for that. They were never full strength, and now it finally seems like Boston is full strength, is ready to go, is ready to take that next leap. And 
hopefully if Milwaukee gets in, I mean, they should be able to get in next game or so, but once they get in, man, that series is going to be so good to watch. Yeah. I mean, right now it's looking like Milwaukee has a chance to finish it out, but we'll see if Chicago can at least extend it. I mean, we're talking about, you know, this may, the Celtics may have to wait like an entire week until they play again, depending on how far this this series goes. But then you mentioned the injury to Middleton that really makes a big impact because I know Chris Middleton, I mean, he, he could be a real pain sometimes because it's like, okay, is he going to knock down this three? And then all of a sudden he's on fire. He just goes off. Yeah. Yeah. And then once what, and then of course, Giannis, He's the closest thing we, I think we have to Kareem in this current day and age just because of his size and his durability to just create an offense for Milwaukee. And so that's going to be – I think I hope it's competitive even if it's Milwaukee, mainly because in the, pa- in the past few years, Milwaukee has seemed to beat us a few times. Yeah. Uh, what is a team – or a series that was uh, surprise, or that has been surprising to you, or is surprising to you. Well, I would have to say the Pelicans and the Suns. I mean, I know a big part of that is because Devin Booker getting hurt in Game Two that has sidelined him for Games Three and Four, and that allowed New Orleans to crawl back into that series. They defended their home court, and Brandon Ingram. I mean, you're, you're, I'm looking at these guys on the on the Pelicans, and I'm like, these are all the guys that they dealt away with the <laughs> Anthony Davis trade, and yep. yet they're really finding their form. I mean, they have Nance, they had Ingram, they had Lonzo Ball before he he went off to Chicago, and yep. he was part of that team. And then, of course, C.J. McCollum. He's actually knocking down threes, and I think he's actually doing a better job here. And then he's a little more consistent, I feel, in New Orleans than he was with Portland. Because every time I was watching him with Portland, especially in that Warriors series in the conference finals, mm-hmm. the guy was just missing so many shots. And that was part of the reason why the Warriors were able to finish him off in that series. I think they got swept. It yeah. just it, They kept the games close, but it just ended up being a sweep. And then now New Orleans, they get at least another shot at this back at their own court. They'll, they're guaranteed another game in New Orleans, even if they lose in Phoenix in game five. And now I think that everyone's talking about how this is actually building confidence for the future with this team, knowing that they are playing so well and that, you know, they may just need one more piece, whether that's Zion or not, again, is up to the team itself because seeing how they could play this good without Zion, I mean, he should be able to fit in, but it's ultimately indecisive because Zion may not want to be part of this long-term future, but this could change his mind. Yeah. Um, I, I agree, but I don't full heartedly agree. And the way, the reason why I say that is when Devin Booker went down, that gives you a chance. Now these guys, this team, the Pelicans that have already been playing playoff basketball the last three weeks before the playoffs even started because they were trying to get into the playing game. They finally made it. A lot of people didn't give them a chance, especially how they started as well. They were one in 15 and they let go of their head coach. Now they have the new coach and somehow he's gotten them to get this far. But when Devin Booker goes down, you're opening, you're leaving a crack open and it's not a big crack, but the Pelicans are like, Hey, we're going to try to squeeze through this and we're going to really make this a series. I think it should go seven. It maybe six, seven, obviously is like the most no anyways, but for the Suns, it needs to go six because here's the other problem. They got Dallas and they got either Utah right after that. 
two formidable teams without Devin Booker, because Booker is already going to be out for two to three weeks already, maybe another two weeks possibly uh, because of his injury. And that you're letting a lot of teams really say like, all right, there's a chance in the West. The Warriors are looking really good as well. My surprising series, though, has been the Boston and Brooklyn because I didn't think Boston was going to be that cohesive. I didn't think Kevin Durant was going to get shut down like he did. I didn't think Kyrie Irving was going to get shut down the way he did. And it just it didn't seem like this was going to be the way it was going to go down. It looked like, okay, Boston's going to win one. Brooklyn's going to tie it up. Boston's going to win one. Brooklyn's going to tie it up. Brooklyn's going to take home court. Boston's going to tie it up. And it just seemed like it was going to go that. It should have gone that way. Boston just owned them. And the fact that Claxton missed, what, 10 free throws just last night's game, there's 10 points right there. You lose by seven, or you could have been up, and Boston would be the one that would be trying to come back. And Durant was really nowhere to be seen. Um, Durant just kind of showed – I think the other reason why I think it's surprising Durant losing to the Celtics is proving why he needed the Warriors more than the Warriors needed him. Because think about that. The Warriors already had a better season. They already had the best record in the NBA history. They had already won their NBA championship. Durant had not won. Durant came to them and won two because he had the likes of Steph Curry. He had the likes of Klay Thompson. He had Draymond Green. There's three guys right there that don't need him because they've already done it before. So he's proven already, and he's still proving now, and this is why the move to the Warriors is so detrimental to his career. He's not going to be considered a great player or an all-time great. He's just going to be a great player, and there's a difference between all-time great and a great player. You could be a great player, but if until you do it by yourself, like if he had done it in OKC, he would have been an all-time great player. But because he'd left and he went to Golden State, a team that beat him the year before in the Western Conference Finals, that's what separates him because he needed the Warriors more. And to me, the the Boston Celtics series, they, they look like the San Antonio Spurs a 2013-2014 season where they just were moving the ball. They knew where the outlet was. They knew where people were going to be. They have smart defensive rotations. They protect the paint. They protect the three-point line. They make it so difficult. I think they had, what, eight or nine guys on Kevin Durant. And when the uh, sideline reporter asked, is that the game plan? Yeah, we're going to keep changing up on Durant. We're going to make him work for it. Perfect. That, and that's the kind of coaching you need. You already had a, you already inherited a great team. You just elevated a little better. It's just like when Mark Jackson had the Warriors back when Steph and Clay and Draymond were coming up. Once Steve Kerr took over, they elevated it just a little bit more. But Mark Jackson put in the pieces, just like Jason Kidd put the pieces together for the um, Milwaukee Bucks. Now Budenholzer has already inherited a better team because they were already put together. So these guys and these coaches are just showing that there are good teams. You just need to be elevated a little better. And right now, to me, the Celtics are the most – that series was just so improving and so proven that I think they're ready to take that next step. So to look at it, I mean, you're talking about with Stevens, with the system that he left, and then Udoka coming in, bringing in his talents and what he was able to do with this team. And then you look at how – 
Brooklyn tried to size up. I mean, Brooklyn was playing small because they don't have a lot of big guys. I mean, I remember them talking about how they had KD playing more in like a center position just because yeah. he's, he's got the height compared to these other guys. Cause Claxton, I think was the only other guy that could actually be put up in that size. And because KD, they said he could be in a power forward position mainly. And that's it. But unfortunately, just because of Brooklyn's roster with guys, you know, not ranging more, taller than at least six, two or something, then that yeah. took away their chances to, you know, challenge up guys like Horford, like Tice, even Williams, you know, when Williams came back, that gave so much more to Boston on the yeah. bench and depth of what they were able to do. And then also, I mean, in the late stages of the second quarter, Grant Williams, uh, he got that pass kicked out from uh, Jason Tatum, knocked down two clutch threes near the mm-hmm. end, and Kyrie Irving was supposed to mark him on the second one. It's like, why is Kyrie doing this and, like, you know, leaving him wide open and just in the corner? Because, you know, you're supposed to mark Jason Tatum, but they were double teaming him, and that just allowed just these simple points just to stack up. And overall, again, it was just an, a series that just didn't work out for Brooklyn and you mentioned how KD now people are questioning his legacy as a player seeing yep, how you yep. just mentioned that he has only won two NBA finals and he's now trying to seek it out on his own but yet he can't do it with Kyrie at, at this moment in time and yet you look at Golden State they're doing pretty well themselves they just need one more win to defeat Denver you know Denver at least extended the series for possibly at least one more game but now they're going back to San Francisco, and I think that uh, Golden State, they should be able to close it out. And that's pretty good for Golden State as well because, you know, they're doing this with a uh, limited offense without Steph Curry because, you know, Curry. And the starting lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, and, like, to your point with the Brooklyn Nets, they ended up benching Andre Drummond, who they acquired. So you acquire a big guy, but you don't use him in the playoffs. And this is the new NBA style. The new NBA style is what the Warriors had done. It's small ball. It's kick the ball out to, your, to the perimeter, guys. It's stretch fours. It's stretch fives. Because, I mean, let's face it, Draymond's a four. But at the same time, he can knock down a three, and he can play the high post as well. So when you have Draymond, who's already up there, like, okay, you're already bringing your four up. If it was Tim Duncan back in the day, he's not coming up. He's going to let you shoot because he knows the percentages on his side. But at the same time, Draymond can can shoot. I mean, that's what the Warriors did against the Cavaliers in the 2016 NBA Finals. The Cavaliers played the shot like, okay, if Draymond is up on a three-point line, back off. We need Tristan. We need Kevin Love in the back protecting the paint. We know that they're not going to shoot. The the they're going for the lands or the mid range. We're going to force them into the three, and that's why that game seven worked in the Cavaliers' favor so well. But the Warriors have, and this is why, like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson have elevated the NBA because they're able to stretch it out and they rely more on the three. But they don't die by the three; they live it. They live there. They rent their homes every season. I'm going to pitch my tent right here, and I'm going to stay here until you stop me. And you know what? When you stop me here. I'm going to kick it out to Curry in the corner over here because he's got his home over there. And Draymond's got his home on them at the top of the key. Like the Warriors have just elevated the NBA so much that it's, it's insane of how well these, these guys are and how good they are. But Kevin Durant wanted to join him and now he left him. And now this is what you get when you join and you leave. 
it's like a bad breakup, but right now the Warriors are winning the breakup because they've also got loot or not Looney pool. So now you get another guy that can shoot the three because now Curry doesn't need to be in the starting lineup right now. He can be the sixth player and still give you 30 minutes a game, not giving you 48 and still produce, <laughs> which also leads me to my next question. The a player that stood out. And to me, that's Steph Curry. The fact that he's only playing about 25 minutes in the first three games, he scored 25 points and he shot 36% from the three point line. Like, Curry, Steph Curry, who's not starting, but is still playing under 30 minutes and still producing more. And by the way, if you look at the stats, he scored more than James Harden and Kevin Durant did in three games of the NBA first round playoffs. You look at those games, he, the Steph Curry playing 25 minutes has scored more than Durant who played more minutes, who played more than James Harden. Like to me, that's the player that has actually has really impressed me because this is a guy that he's coming back from an injury. He's not, he's not right. And the Warriors know that, but he's producing enough and he's still that team leader. He's still that, that go-to guy, but now they have, they have pool. Andrew Wiggins is finally proving to everyone what they, what we knew about him in college. And I believe it was Kansas that he was at. And now he's proving this is what the player that he was supposed to be in Minnesota. He was he was a good player, but now he's a solid player. He's a two-way player, defender, and also a shooter. And I think being on the Warriors just helped him so much in the way that he plays because he plays smarter. He doesn't make those same stupid mistakes or little mistakes because he's learned from all that. And the Warriors know, listen, we play fast pace. We play transition ball. We play loose, but we're, we all, we got each other's back. And the, the play for him with the Warriors has helped his career so much. At Golden State, definitely a team to look out for with considering how the Suns series against the Pelicans ends, because you mentioned that if the Suns lose, that opens the door wide open for them because right now the way that Golden State's uh, part of the bracket works is that with their with their winning against the Nuggets, then they would have to take on the winner of the Timberwolves and Grizzlies, who, you know, they're battling it out. They're, they're exhausted by that point, and then – this is Golden State trying to work their way back. I mean, after missing the playoffs for the last two years, they missed out last year. They lost in the playing game to those said Grizzlies. So, I mean, you would call it a revenge game if if Memphis were to somehow make it, but it wouldn't feel that way. Yeah. But you look at another team that's been surprising. I would have to say Minnesota. I mean, okay. I, I knew that Minnesota was uh, – Young with some of its experience, but then looking at Carl Anthony Towns, you mentioned Beverly, and here they are making this a series against Memphis. And mm. I, I feel that this one could go down go down to seven games. So this one is a little more surprising to me just because, you know, the Timberwolves, they're trying to seek, I believe, their first playoff series win in, I think, maybe probably like 16 years or so. Yeah, like I think 2004 – was the last time they actually moved into the second round of the playoffs. And do you know who was playing on that team? 
Uh, I know it was K- Kevin Garnett, of course, right? Yeah, that was the only player I can remember on that team. Yeah, but didn't they have like uh, Sam Cassell or something? Was it? I mean, he's the assistant for Doc Rivers on the 76ers. I don't remember. It was so long ago. I remember it was great. I was 14 when that happened. So I was like eighth grade or something like that. I was in middle school. So long ago. Uh, I mean, I. I mean, I, I knew it'd be at least some of it because uh, there's this one YouTube channel, SB Nation. They do this oh, thing yeah. called Collapse, and they did one on the Timberwolves. And, you know, if the uh, the Suns lose, this really ruins us because we yeah. both picked the Suns to win in four games each. Mm-hmm. So, and you're more screwed. Well, no, I no, yeah, you are more screwed. You need Philly to win that series, by the yeah. way. yeah. <laughs> I need it in seven, though, like at least to get it a little more accurate. I mean, true. I mean, I I have already screwed up ours because, or at least mine, because I I had Brooklyn beating Boston in, in seven. So, um, yeah, I'm already messed up with that. Miami has a chance to close it out in six. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've already messed up. Well, actually, no, because I have a chance for Milwaukee to close out tonight. So there's one win possibly. We'll see. I already messed up with Philly. Because I picked that, that should have been a four, um, four game sweep. So, yeah, not fun. <laughs> uh, who's a player? Speaking of the NBA playoffs, still as we uh, continue our uh, talking about this, um, who is a player that has stood out for the wrong reasons? Ah, uh, well, let me... there's a lot to me. But I narrowed it down to two, one in the East and one in the West. But I'll I'll let you talk first, Noah. All right. I mean, looking at this, I mean, I think you could point it out for Brooklyn. I mean, I would say probably Kyrie Irving, mainly because at least start out, you know, you got to remember the fans got to him in game one. And so that really got the whole tension going with him. And then not to mention that, yeah, doing that. And then he ends up not doing so well in game three and this is the guy who's supposed to be the answer to Brooklyn and yet he ended up falling out and then even like just to add with Brooklyn you know Ben Simmons everyone was talking about him and yet like even Stephen A got into it saying like you know he quit on his teammates like wherever he's gone and yet he's just not standing out for the right reasons now because you know I remember Ben Simmons was supposed to be the big star of this Mm -hmm. future with the NBA and yet here he is just, unfortunately, I, I, basketball is kind of on his mind, but yet not enough for him to finally get back out there. Well, isn't, and I'm not trying to defend it, but is it true that he is dealing with a lot of mental health issues right now? He, he's got mental health going for okay. him, but then also um, the fact is, is that he, he's dealing with back pains as well. I mean, okay. They're probably going hand in hand because, you know, it's like if you got something like wrong mentally or something's just not feeling well, then there's something physical. Then yeah, it, it, it feels like it both hurt at the same time. And unfortunately, it, it's tough for you. But then some people are thinking, well, what's the mental health? Like, is it the fact that you're upset with Philly? Like, is that part of it? Or then it's like if, it, if it's really a problem, then I guess maybe just walk away from basketball because we, we do live in an age where when you, you take mental health seriously, look at Simone Biles. I mean, with the pressure she was facing the Olympics, she just said, I couldn't do it. And then yep. she walked away. Calvin Ridley with the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, well, there's another issue for that. He, 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 yeah, I know. He ended up, you know, gambling on his own team. And 
but yeah, that's just the whole side of it of mental health. But then it's just what what is it? And right now, some people are just unsure with how it is with Ben Simmons. But obviously, it put too much of a of a bad spotlight, especially with Brooklyn. Well, I think the other thing is for Ben Simmons, and this happened in college because remember when he was in LSU, because his team didn't make it to the NCAA tournament, he quit. Like, I think they made it to the NIT the year that he made it. And that was also the year that Duke won the national championship against Wisconsin, who Wisconsin beat Kentucky for the uh, undefeateds. And so he already came in quitting with a quitting mentality because he didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. So I remember when I was covering this in college that, okay, you're already quitting now. What are you, how long are you going to go when you quit the next thing? When is it that you're going to quit? And again, I'm not excusing mental health issues. Mental health issues is a very serious thing, especially since the pandemic has happened. It has brought light to a lot of people that are struggling. Um, I am one person that struggles with that every day. Um, There are times that my thoughts just overtake me and overwhelm me or situations just trigger me. We all are dealing with things and we just have to find a way to get better and to find a way to not let that hinder us and pull us back because it's, it's a dark time and it's a very scary time as well. However, when with him, it it just feels like there's something else that's going on. Now, maybe it is the back issues. Maybe it is that he wasn't, uh, he wasn't accepted in Philadelphia. So he has to accept that disappointment, which probably adds on to maybe the PTSD that he already had from his other situations that we don't even know about who knows what's really going on with them. And it sucks to hear about. Um, but at the same time, it just, it makes you question like is were the Brooklyn nets because there were a lot of reports before. Well, Ben Simmons is not going to come back to play till next year. Okay. That's fine. But then all of a sudden we get these reports that Ben Simmons is starting to feel better. Ben Simmons is start his back, starting to feel good. There's, there could be times where, Days, your back feels good, but is it 100%? A day or two, yes, that's fine. But to rush back, no way. Like, you need time. And I I think Brooklyn kind of screwed the pooch on that a little bit with trying to rush him back. If he's not ready, he's not ready. Physically, he needs to be physically ready. Mentally, you need to be ready because you're not playing in Philadelphia anymore. You're playing in New York. Brooklyn is a whole nother level as well. And some people think that they can play in these high market areas. I got news for you. It's, it's tough. There were, have been plenty of players that have played for the Yankees that didn't make it because of the media or the fans or whatever it was. And the, or the distractions that come with being in a big city like that. So it, I like, I feel bad for him, but to me, it just, it's never been a good situation for him. And maybe the NBA is too much for him. I don't know. Um, I would say my two players that I said that stood out for the wrong reasons. One has been James Harden. James Harden, I where is he? James Harden is not the same guy that we saw with Houston. James Harden is, I don't think he's playing the right way. And I don't, I don't think maybe he's playing the right position because they have him as a point guard for the 76ers. He's a natural shooting guard. So, I mean, I know he brings size to them, but you look at his first four games, 19 points, uh, and he averages and 39% from the three point line, but 19 points, that's it. 
You're under your normal average when you were with Houston, when you played against the Warriors, when you had Chris Paul, P.J. Tucker, all these great defenders with the Rockets. This is not the same James Harden. Maybe this is the James Harden that the Philadelphia 76ers need, but this is not the same James Harden that we're used to seeing in the playoffs. And you mentioned a Brooklyn Nets player that stood out to you. I'm going to mention another one with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant showed, I mean, again, that he was not ready. And the the mix of defensive schemes that the Celtics had, and I know I keep going back to the series, but the fact that they finished off Kevin Durant in the first round, the first time ever that both him and Kyrie Irving have also been swept ever in the first round of their careers, has to to say something for the Boston Celtics and their defensive schemes. And Kevin Durant did not play well at all. I mean, they forced him into tough shots, but he didn't seem comfortable from the moment he started playing. And then you force him to take make these terrible shots. Now, every once in a while in transition, if he's down there, he's going to play. But if you've seen him defensively, how many times on that well, in that game one victory last Sunday against this uh, in Boston, that one play when J- uh, Jason Tatum spun and laid it in as time expired, did you see what? what Durant did defensively, he just let it happen. He was up at the top of the three-point line when Jason Tatum's already cut it right there. You had the chance to cut it off before he even did the spoon move, before Marcus Smart saw Jason Tatum cutting to the basket. This is why I don't think that Kevin Durant is a good, is a great, amazing player. He's just a great player, and there's a difference between that. And this playoff run, he proved that, and that's why, to me, those two players have really stood out for the wrong reasons. And you look at just how KD, I mean, you could almost look at the entire Brooklyn team, I mean, just to seeing how it ended up playing out, being yeah. a problem. And, again, the fact that there was so much buildup into the season. and every, I mean, the preseason poll had – Brooklyn being the top team in the NBA to win the championship. And, and the Lakers. It just didn't work out that way. And, I mean, looking at this, it's just uh, going to be quite interesting. And then, I mean, back to Ben Simmons real quick. I mean, I'm not – I don't want to disrespect mental health if he's dealing mm-hmm. with something. I mean, I, I understand that. So, I mean, but I think it's just that he really – I think it, he may need to step away from basketball at this point if to really clear his mind. And then also, I mean, he, he – he had a bunch of stuff going on this year. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, this leads us to our question of the day, by the way. So Noah, as always, I have a question for you. And this is kind of, we've kind of already hit this subject, but I wanted to uh, see how, how you've been paying attention to these playoffs, by the way. So we already have 16 teams in the playoffs right now. Well, currently we have about 15 because one is out. Uh, it's slowly dwindling down. But how many players do you know that are playing in the NBA currently in the playoffs that came from the University of Duke? Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. And this right. is honestly the one reason why I don't choose uh, teams anymore. I just choose the players that came from Duke. That's why I like that's why I like Jason Tatum. That's why I like Kyrie Irving. So I just mentioned two there. So have fun trying to figure this out. <laughs> So, so I mean I, I know yeah Tatum was one I mean oh. if you were gonna if you were gonna count Brooklyn then you had Kyrie and Seth Curry because both of them went to Duke as well um, 
But if I had to say in total, um, I'd have to say probably at least six total players are from Duke. Final answer? Final answer. <laughs> yeah. The answer is 10. And okay. I also included uh, Zion Williamson, by the way. Even though he's not even playing. <laughs> yes, but he's still there. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Gary Trent Jr. is one of them on Toronto. I'm trying to name some of them off the uh, top of my head. Um, you'd already Gray, Gray, Grayson Allen. Yep, Grayson Allen. Yep. Uh, oh, here it is. So I found the article. This is also off NBCChicago.com. Um, so who else is it? Brandon Ingram from the New Orleans Pelicans. There's one that I didn't even know about that is actually in uh, that kind of surprised me because I don't even remember hearing about his name. Semi Ojulier by on the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Tyus Jones on the Memphis Grizzlies. Austin Rivers, Denver Nuggets. Uh, Zion Williamson, we already mentioned, I think. And Austin Rivers. So I think that's 10 right there. Oh, Jalen Johnson. That's the other one. He plays for the Hawks. And I'm pretty sure he's a bench player, but I don't even remember hearing about him, honestly. There were a few that were kind of off there, but some like, obviously there's quite a few that are on the uh, New York Knicks teams that made it to the NBA playoffs last year. But yeah. So there are 10 players, including Zion Williamson, who's still technically in the playoffs, uh, according to Chicago, um, NBCChicago.com. So. All right. So, yeah, Duke definitely with some top quality players. As, uh, uh, but then you, but you also see just uh, – it, it's ultimately also about work ethic as well because yes. you, see, you see all these players from different places. I mean, Steph Curry, he went to Davidson. I mean, yep. how, many, how many guys do you hear always coming out of Davidson? And then you got Draymond Green. Of course, he was from uh, Michigan State. State. And then Embiid, I believe Embiid went to Kansas, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, Embiid yep. down out of Kansas. Harden, I mean, James Harden went to Arizona Arizona State with yep. the Sun Devils. And then, I mean, Giannis coming internationally, that's where he was from. Luka internationally as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. Luka from Slovenia. And then uh, I remember he was... Uh, Shaq was like, "Yeah, how do you say good good game in your language?" And he's like, "Some." And then, and then Luca's like, "Yeah, I'll tell you the dirty words later." And then Ernie John, and then Ernie Johnson's just like, "Please don't, please don't." Give Shaq more ammo to use to his other guys. He's like, "Yeah, Chuck, you're doing this a bit." <laughs> but I'll, actually, one more one more point about Charles Barkley. He called yeah, Kevin. It. He called Kevin Durant about a. Uh, he called him a bus rider. And then Ooh. Kevin Durant clapped back uh, with his with his Instagram showing him, I believe, with it was when Chuck was on the Houston Rockets. I believe they had like Olajuwon and maybe uh, Scottie Pippen as well. You know, when the Rockets were still trying to win some championships in the 90s, uh, once, you know, like I think the Bulls were like broken up at that point. <laughs> oh, man, people were just there. So, Pat, and that, you know, that's another, like, I understand we're in the social media world, but there's also a time and place. Like, Kevin Durant already got in trouble years ago for responding to accounts with his burner phones. Like, you don't really need to respond to your haters. Let The one thing I loved about Kobe is he let those haters feel him. Like, we, we don't have that same mentality. That's the reason why LeBron James will never be the GOAT. 
Like he's the goat of this generation because of all around things that he does. But when it comes down to winning and it comes down to mentality, he will never be like Kobe or Michael Jordan. Like those guys are far above him in that aspect, which is why like Michael is one, Kobe is two, LeBron is three. And that like just end it because until if LeBron wins another title, if, because he's got to focus on that. He's got a lot of other things that he's focusing on with like with the movies and the businesses and everything else he's into. He's he's not gonna do it. And I don't I don't think he has the same drive like Kobe did, like Michael did. I mean, these two guys did everything they possibly could to win another championship. Sometimes it just wasn't in the cards for him. Yeah, it's everyone wants to talk about the digital age, about what people do. I mean, would Michael Jordan, you know, use social media? Like, how would have? Uh, I don't like, think he would. Uh, probably not. No. And then uh, you look at um, who was it? Um, Dennis Rodman. Like, imagine him being on the <laughs> social media. I mean, he, yes, he was, he was always a character to begin with. But can you imagine? You know, like. Uh, a lot, you know, if a lot of his stuff would have been out on social media, what he was doing when he went to Vegas and he goes on his Instagram account back in the nineties. <laughs> that right there, I would love to see that. There would there would have been a lot out of him, and then I mean, you you, you would have had some guys like uh, Larry Bird, where it's like, how does Twitter work? Yeah, right. <laughs> I have a feeling Larry Bird would be that guy. <laughs> what is that a bird? <laughs> I like that's my last name. Yeah, bird's so do, after- I need, <laughs> do I need to tweet about yeah. myself? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like bird, bird's not bird. Th- there'd be jokes about yeah. Larry Bird is the only bird that doesn't tweet. <laughs> yeah, something like that. The silent bird tweets. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> We're going to move forward now with our NFL, our first ever, by the way, NFL round one mock draft. And I hope you're ready for this because I'm doing this, by the way, on uh, profootball.com. Uh, they have a mock draft simulator that you can do. Okay. Um, so on the first round, if you want to do that as well, that's how I'm doing this, by the way. Um you go on pro football, you can do a mock draft. And this is the first time also that I've really paid attention to the first round of the draft. Normally, not going to lie, I can care less about the draft, but I'm really excited to see who's going to get picked up and why. And obviously now there's a big rumor with Debo Samuel not wanting to sign with the uh, San Francisco 49ers and that there could be a big trade, which I would not be surprised with. He, they, even though John Lynch did say yesterday, Monday, on a press conference that I do not want to part ways with him, but if that asking price is good enough for him, they, they may do it. And looking at the first round, I don't think – actually, they don't have any first-round draft picks. So that would eventually help them get onto the big board. So, yeah. yeah. but then it's like – but it's like who who would offer that? You would have to look at a team who has multiple first round picks. I mean, you're, you're looking at your Jets, Jets possibly. It, yep. I mean, my my Giants would be interested. You know, if we had it, you know, when if you had a quarterback to throw to. <laughs> it, uh, well, this, here, here's the here's the other thing. I mean, um, the option to pick up Jones's extra year on his contract is uh, yep. next, the deadline is next week. So apparently, depending on how that goes, if we don't pick it up, then we're really not guaranteed Daniel Jones as part of the future. 
It wouldn't surprise me if Philadelphia tried to make a swing of a trade because, you know, Howie Roseman's always been that kind of aggressive GM and always wants to try and find players in the right moment. And Debo Samuel, I mean, again, he was the offense of San Francisco, especially in the later half of the year. Yeah. Big big reason why they got to that conference championship game against the LA Rams, but also San Francisco. What are you doing? It's like, do you want to rebuild with Lance? Do you want to hold on to Garoppolo with this team? Like make up your mind, especially, you know, when you have Kyle Shanahan, he was so close to getting this team back to the Super Bowl and he already got them there once. It's like, just make up your mind with who you want to keep on this team. And don't tell me how to live my life. Yeah, what direction you're trying to go. And well, I, mean, I think they are sticking with Garoppolo because they're the the rumors have been shut down with everything. We haven't heard that he's going to anywhere, and and all the quarterbacks that or all the teams that needed quarterbacks that were contenders have the quarterbacks now. So there's really no place for him to go. Yeah, and then, I mean, for this uh, NFL draft, I mean, I, I always watch the first round. I mean, that, that once it gets to like the second or third round, I mean, I, I'll just. <sighs> scroll my phone be like okay so we selected this guy but but it's always fun to look at you know previous draft classes and see where some of these guys came in like you know Tyreek Hill he was he's one of the biggest wide receivers but yeah he wasn't drafted until like I think like the third or fourth round yeah he was definitely a late round pick and then guys like Alvin Kamara were also taken in like the later stages of that part of the draft and then you got guys like Adam Thielen he wasn't even drafted just picked up like uh, once he was once the draft was all done because some of these guys are just overlooked yeah I wonder also uh, and I'm going to look this up right now if I can spell correctly, uh, how many division two athletes or NFL players there are. So you talk about currently or yeah, currently. Okay. Let's see because there's 53 according to 2021 NFL season is right around the corner. And currently there are 53 D two and three, three players scattered across the NFL as of December 20th, 2021. So, cause I know there's gotta be, I know a few Shippensburg Raider players uh, have had their few um, uh, guys. Um, Cal U has Eric Harris on the Falcons right now. I'm trying to see if there's anyone from Kutztown. Uh, no. <laughs> hey, you knock us, but we have Andre Reed. Guy who went to four straight Super Bowls with Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> I, I, I uh, a few weeks ago, I actually watched the four falls of Buffalo, the 30. Yeah, it, it was, it was really good. And I mean, definitely recommend you watch it because I mean, the 30 for 30s are just so oh, yeah. well put together. And also, if you think about it, there's the, um, the new episode of man in the arena, which is not a uh, sponsorship. But Man in the Arena, the new one, when he joins Tampa Bay, is finally out as of today. So I will definitely be uh, watching that. And also, by the way, Tyreek Hill was drafted from West Alabama, a D2 wow. school. Or maybe it was a D1 or D3. Because this is this list is – oh, no, this is list is D2. So, okay. wow. There's, three, there's how many? One, two, three, six players from D3 in the NFL. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you ready to do this, sir? Yeah, yeah, let's do this. All right. So should we flip a coin? I have a coin right here. All right. Go ahead. All right. Do you want to 
pick first or pick? You can call it in the air. Ready? I'm going to move my microphone for a second. I'm going to get my Zoom back up because I'm not on you right now. All right, ready? Tails. Oh. <laughs> All right, tails it is. You can't really All see. Right. This is what it landed on. Woo, still can't see because there we go. Okay, yeah, there you go. Proof that uh, Eric doesn't have a two-headed coin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been a great idea. All right, so you, you get to pick. Do you want to go first? Do you want to get odds or evens? Um. Oh. All right. You said odds or evens. So yeah. So obviously, if we do, if you do odds, so you get one, three, five, and then I'll do the evens. So two, four, six, eight, ten. Who do we appreciate? Me? No. Okay. I'll, I'll do. <laughs> I'll, I'll go first, and I'll do the odds then. Okay. So you get the first round draft pick from the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, I'm just going to do this once since uh, it's always tradition in the NFL draft, trying to do my uh, Goodell impersonation, as uh, I'm sure Eric will be booing me in a minute. With the first pick in the 2022 NFL draft, Jacksonville Jaguars select Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher, Michigan. Oh, wait, no. (laughs) There you go. I mean, I, I think this one has been building up for weeks. A guy that was nominated to try and win the Heisman didn't get that far, but yet when Jacksonville has a top defensive player on their doorstep, knowing that's what they need, they need to rebuild that defense. And Hutchinson, I feel, is going to be a good fit between him on the defense and hopefully uh, Doug Peterson doesn't mess things up with Trevor Lawrence. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Oh, it's funny. All right, so the Lions... They have the second and the 32 pick in the first round. Uh, So I got them. They need a quarterback, a linebacker, and a defensive back. So looking right now, I'm going to look at uh, defensive backs because they feel like with their coach, he, I mean, he came in very riled up. We're going to be a smash mouth team. Um, I'm trying to see. I feel like, see, I've heard a lot of rumors that Kayvon Thibodeau could go second. And also, I'm looking at some other draft uh, picks. According to um, to Peter King, uh, Pro Football's morning dr- mock draft, he actually had Aiden Hutchinson going to the Lions instead. So you kind of took that one. So you know what? We're going to go. Where is he? Where is he? Okay. Oh, there he is. Wow, he's way down here in the draft. We're going to go ranked number 17th according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, Oh, where'd he go? I think I just lost him. Yep, just lost him. (laughs) Hold on. First time, by the way, so give me some time. This is why I would never make it as uh, as a person on the draft. Trayvon Walker, edge rush from Georgia. And looking at him and the way that he plays... He just, I don't know. He just has something with them. Uh, he's definitely, he's got seven pressures, national championship game. Um, in, uh, in high school, apparently, what the heck? I don't care about high school. He's an elite physical specimen, six foot five. He's 275 pounds, who even dropped into coverage this past season and managed a pass breakup. So this could be a good position for the, uh, the, the Texans, or no, not the Texans, the Lions. So you were on the clock, sir. Number three, who do you got? All right, yeah, so this is the Houston Texans. This is a Who team basically that... needs every position, by the way, according to Pro Football Focus. 
I don't know if you're on that website or not, but and it's really funny. And they also have two picks in the first round as well, the third and the thirteenth pick. Yeah, I mean, so you could Houston, do a trade. This is, the, the, I mean, the, I I think they need their first round draft picks. You know, since Bill O'Brien traded them away <laughs> in the past several years, because you know you trade away DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of beans. I know there's a magical story to that, but again, that th- this isn't a magical story. This is just a, <laughs> a, a very crappy bag of beans. And so, looking at this, I, I say that uh, Houston takes an offensive tackle in their draft. You know, because you're, this is a draft where you're either draft you're taking the top defensive player or you're getting a lineman because you know this, this just isn't very quarterback heavy or even offensive as well. I mean, aside from wide receivers, but you don't take wide receivers with a top five pick unless you know he's super spectacular. And so that's why I say that the Houston Texans select Charles Cross from Mississippi okay. State, powerful upper body from sportingnews.com. I mean, they're talking about he's got strong hands and very good at blocking. May need to work on some agility, but I'm sure Houston would be willing to take on another offensive lineman because, you know, that was uh, always been a problem with theirs in the past, especially, you know, they need to protect Davis Mills because they're investing in this guy. Yeah. All right. So I have the Jets, which I'm actually kind of happy I got the uh, the evens, by the way. Um so it's between two players for the first round draft pick. And I think it's either between Derek Stingley Jr. of LSU, the cornerback. Um, he is one of the top players. He's definitely a top 10 pick. Uh, the, this ranking is banking on a lot of what Stingley can put on tape. A lo- what he did put on tape a long time ago. And it's not as if the talent went anywhere. He only allowed about 41.1% completion percentage for his career and has been starting since his freshman year. However, there is a guy that I just love his name and his nickname already. Uh, Sauce Gardner never allowed a touchdown in his career despite starting since he, he was a true freshman. In 2021, he took his game to another level, level uh, surrendering only 131 yards in 14 games. That right there. And also, by the way, in his college semifinal, he only held 14 yards on four targets against Alabama. So I'm going to go with Gardner for the New York Jets, who could be a better version of Darrell Revis. Hey, look, and you got the Giants next. Yeah, that's that's how it fitted. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, so we get to pick our own teams. I mean, I will say, interesting take, you know, taking a corner on a – that's top five pick. I had to look up, I believe, uh, how many corners have been taken with the top five pick. There aren't that many that, no. you know, get taken in one of those top five spots now. But never allowing a touchdown in your career, to me, that that's money. Yeah, I mean, you got to get defensive somewhere. And there are a lot of corners in this draft as well. So mm-hmm. it's a very defensive-driven draft, I've noticed. Yeah. And then that's what I feel with this New York Giants pick because well they need you know, everything too. Wait, I mean I'm I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Um, but look, just looking at New York, they they need to take the best defensive player possible, and especially that involves pressuring the quarterback. So I say with our fifth pick, the Giants will take Kevon Thibodeau. I know that uh, it, he was one player that Detroit was saying, yeah, he's not going to fit in our system, and even just the culture. I think that. Uh, coach Campbell wants to bring. And so if the giants are lucky enough with that fifth pick, I think they'll take them because they need 
that big edge rusher. We need somebody like a stray hand. We need somebody to really pressure the quarterback and bring back that strong defensive line for New York, because that's what a lot of our Super Bowl teams had guys on the defense that could really disrupt the quarterback. And that's how we beat guys like Tom Brady. So I have the uh, Carolina Panthers who, according to PFF uh, online, they need a quarterback and offensive line uh, player. They have, at least Sam Darnold. And I think if he is given time, and that was the problem when he was with the Jets, if he was given time, he can actually be a good player. And I think, I don't know if they're really going to stick with him or not. I don't know. Um, but looking at it, I think Evan Neal kind of fits what the Carolina Panthers need. I mean, this guy is massive. You look at his height, 6'8", 337 pounds. Um, he was. He's actually around 350, according to his uh, draft stock, and is one of the most imposing specimens ever to grace this planet. And he moves like a, a man 50 pounds lighter. And he only allowed 24 pressures over the last two years between left and right tackle. So he can move right or left side. Last year, for his, well, at least his uh, career highlights, he has zero pressures allowed on 58 pass blocking snaps against Texas A&M. And he only allowed one pressure allowed in the entire 2020 playoffs. And he's from Alabama. So you know what kind of talent you're getting. I'm going to do Evan Neal for the, for the Alabama Crimson Tide for the number six pick for the Carolina Panthers. And right back to you with the Giants. Look at that. Yeah, the, yeah, one of these picks belongs, I believe this is the one that belongs to the Chicago Bears as uh, we got their pick as a result for them trading their picks just so they can get draft Justin Fields last year. They wanted to move up, and so that was the pick we got. I'm looking at this in New York. I mean, aside from defense, we need an offensive tackle because, I mean, that's one thing that we will need just to build around, you know, Daniel Jones, but also the long-term future because, I mean, we're probably going to be cutting some guys. You would mm-hmm. think since this is a back-to-back pick, I mean, they would possibly trade, but I think that the new uh, GM is going to use this, and I think that's uh, going to use on the best offensive lineman available, which comes down to, I believe, his name is Icky Ekonwonu from, new- from North Carolina State as – you know, he's the best tackle available. I mean, it, it might be interesting to see how it works out. Um, he's also proved to be a stable left tackle, which is one thing the Giants have always had a problem with. But, mm-hmm. I mean, left tackles, they are the insurance, and that's what uh, Sandra Bullock says in the blind side. That's <laughs> what you pay for. <laughs> Wait, who did you pick, by the way? Um, that was, uh, I, I believe it's Icky. Okay, Ikiwanu. Okay. From North Carolina State, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm just making, I'm trying to keep it updated in mind. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, man. The Falcons at the number eighth pick. So, according to Peter King, he's got Drake London, the first receiver. They need a lot. <laughs> Let's face it, they need a guard, they need a quarterback, they need a center. They need a defensive lineman. They needed a cornerback. I mean, the list literally just goes on and on. To me, I'm kind of stuck with either Stingley Jr. or Kyle Hamilton in Notre Dame. And they both basically play the same position. Um, Stingley, obviously, we kind of know about him. Uh, he only allowed a 41% uh, 
completion percentage for his career at LSU. Um, however, with Kyle Hamilton coming from Notre Dame, six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds, he's a modern hybrid defender who can do whatever is asked. So he can play safety, he can play cornerback. Um, he's six four too, so he could go against the best receivers. For me, I, I've been more of a defensive guy, so I would pick Kyle Hamilton for the um, the. Ah, Atlanta Falcons. I keep losing my my thought in my place. So I'm going to pick Kyle Hamilton for them because they need a lot of help, especially they got burnt last year defensively uh, when they were playing good teams. And of course, they had they kind of had a chance last year to get into the playoffs. They just couldn't hold teams out. So I think if they get a defensive cornerback, this could help them get to the next level. And we also don't know what they're really planning on doing with Matt Ryan. Do they want to get a successor now? Because that was another thing you could have done with a quarterback. You could you could look at Malik Willis. You could look at Al. You could even look at Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. So, But I think defensively, because it's such a strong defensive draft class, you got to go with the defense. Yep, so now the next pick is for the Seattle Seahawks as uh, they broke the <laughs> way back into the draft. I mean, they usually don't use a lot of uh, first-round draft picks. Like, I've noticed that where it's like there are years they just trade out and they won't use them. But now... I this think- is also to Denver, by the way, from Denver. So, so, yeah, this is what they got in the Russell Wilson trade. Yep. And you look at Seattle, according to Pro Football Network, uh, they need uh, the, <laughs> the they need a quarterback, an offensive tackle, a linebacker, a cornerback, and a defensive tackle. Basically so, everything. Pretty much. A lot on the defense. But uh, you you mentioned Derek Stingley, and that's actually who I had them taking next. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I have Derek Stingley going on, going right off the board. There you and go. Seattle, they need to, they need to rebuild build that defense because, I mean, LSU, I mean, last year – they, they lost a lot of players, obviously, from the end of uh, that senior year that won the championship. But I think LSU still got some top-quality prospects to, to pick from, and they called him very dynamic uh, with his pedigree and his playmaking resume. And mm-hmm. so I think Seattle is really going to push forward and rebuild that defense. They it may not be Richard Sherman, but they'll take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I So I got the Jets. And you, who did you have again? You took. Um, uh, I picked Derek Stingley. Stingley, okay. I'm just trying to or again. Seattle. Stingley, where you at? Of course, I wasn't really paying attention because I was getting ready for my next pick. Uh, if I can find him, there we go. So I think this is probably going to be looking at the draft defense, defense. Offense, defense, defense. This could be the first player that will be taken next. And I, from what I've heard, it's between two guys right now. It's between Jameson Williams and Garrett Wilson. I have a problem with Williams because of the injury that he took, had happened in the national championship game. He's going to need a lot of time to kind of, figure it out. I would not I would not be surprised if the Jets actually trade their first two picks. Now you would be giving up potentially Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner, and 
the guy that I'm thinking of that I'm going to draft right now for the Jets is Garrett Wilson. Uh, Garrett Wilson, to, from what I've heard, can be the next Tyreek Hill. And I've heard a lot of good things about his speed. I've heard a lot of good things how uh, a lot of his snaps, he was outside 82% of his snaps were on the outside. He can also be a slot receiver, but they already have Elijah Moore. And you also have Denzel Mims. I don't know if they're going to stick with Corey Davis either. He is also six feet tall, so he's not. He's on the smaller side of his receiver, but his his separation is what's best in this class, and that's why I'm picking um, an Ohio State Buckeye, Garrett Wilson, for the Jets. All right, so um, next I have the Washington Commanders as they really now need <laughs> – they need a safety and they need a linebacker. They need a lot on offense. I mean, <laughs> what are they going to need for a quarterback? I mean, mainly because they're not really sold on Heineke. And yeah. I mean, let's see what would be available, at least in the corner position. I mean, you, with no Hamilton and uh, looking at how did you, did you have Gardner go somewhere already or no? Yes. Yeah, Sauce Gardner. He's for the Jets. I'm at Gardner. Okay, so you had Gardner taken with uh, that fourth pick. And so I would say they would have to take the next guy available, which would probably be Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. Uh, Fine in size, strength, and aggressiveness. Uh, His ball skills are pretty good. And Washington needs to keep up on defense around some of these other teams, you know, like Dallas and even New York. They're stockpiling them. And, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if – Washington would try to make a big trade depending on who's running the front office. So I, I have them taking uh, Andrew Booth Jr. with their first pick at 11. So for the the Vikings, it says that they need a guard, a center, an edge, and a cornerback. I'm going to go with the center, and I'm going to go with Lindenbaum. And the reason is he's actually the best center prospect that PFF has ever seen in the college era. And he was already the highest graded center in the country in 2020, but he took his game to new heights in 2021 and earning a 95.4 grade. Um, He is from Iowa. He has the highest graded FBS center in both the last two seasons. And he only allowed three pressures allowed in all of 2020 when he played so this guy is a former wrestler in high school as well. He had a 53 and 10 wrestling mark as a junior. So he knows how to stand people up. I'm going to go with Lindenbaum, Linderbaum from Iowa for the Minnesota Vikings. All right. So next I have, uh, is it this, the Houston Texans again. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> again, they need every position. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. For Houston, I'm just, uh, you mentioned every position. No, where is it? Trying to find it. Okay, so they could take a wide receiver in this one. Sure. And especially knowing that if, if they go after someone to try and help out Davis Mills. So let's see. Wide receiver available. Um, Jameson Williams is still available. I was just say, I, I know the Eagles were interested in taking Williams. As a possible number one pick, but I'll, I'll have Houston take him. I think Houston's uh, willing to call the shot right there. So I say that they take Jamison Williams. They need a top prospect, and we're better than from uh, 
Alabama. So I'm going to say they take Williams at uh, that number 13th pick. All right. Uh, for my 14th pick with Baltimore, I'm going to go with Devontae Wyatt. And I believe the reason why I think the Ravens should pick him is why is the far more explosive athlete and it showed as a pass rusher where he finished with a grade of 84 um and he was a do- he was very dominant in the senior ball i don't know if you watched it or not but man it just seemed like we heard his name so many times he had a career high of six pressures against vanderbilt in 2019 now again vanderbilt isn't one of the best teams in the sec but it's still the SEC, and he had pressures in 12 of 14 games last season for the Georgia Bulldogs, who, again, helped win the national championship game. So I think Devontae Wyatt will fit right in for that potential Terrell Suggs kind of lookout guy for the uh, defense. All right, so we're now at number 15, and, of course, I get my good old rivals in the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, it's, <laughs> get them good. Yeah, I'm getting all the rival picks. All I need is Dallas, and then I'm pretty much uh, complete with that set. But yet, Philadelphia... Actually, you will get them, by the way, because they're the 24th pick. (laughs) Uh, Well, looking at this, uh, Philadelphia needs a wide receiver, a lot of defensive players, because they need a safety, linebacker, and corner. But, I mean, if they're really sold on getting a wide receiver before they run out, then I actually have them taking uh, Drake London from USC, because, I mean... I know um, the one year they missed out on CD lamb and they always talk about, you know, they need offensive explosive players. And I think uh, Drake London would fit that. They just need to make sure he can catch it. Unlike Aguilar. So <laughs> true. So I have the Eagles taking Drake London. So uh, with the saints in the 16th pick, they need a quarterback a receiver and a tackle. Uh, it's really interesting to see, will they go with a quarterback in this pick, and according to Peter King, he has Traylon Burks as a receiver going to them. Um, so are they still going to continue with Jameis Winston? Are they still going to go with uh, with uh, who was it? The other guy that they have, I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Um, Taysom Hill. Yeah, that guy who plays tight end. And I think they're done with that experiment. So I think they have the they have a um, quarterback. You know who I'm actually going to take for them? I'm going to give them Chris Olave from Ohio State. And Olave was, oh, my goodness, his speed and just the way he played for Ohio State last year. And, again, I'm not much of a Big Ten guy, but he was one of the best route-running uh, receivers in all of – NCAA last season, and he's one of the most consistent downfield threats in the class. In total, 13 of his 65 catches ended up in scores. So you know that, and that's going to help as well when uh, Thomas comes back. You're going to have two guys on the outside. Now this guy is six foot, uh, six feet, so he's going to have a little height, especially. But if he's going against like a six four um, cornerback, you're not really going to get much. But if you put him in a slot, that could help them out. And get to the end zone. So I'm going to give them Chris Olave. Try to help them out at least. There you go. And then uh, for this next pick, I got the uh, L.A. Chargers. And for this one, they need a guard, an offensive tackle, wide receiver, edge rusher, and linebacker. And then this one, seeing how they are now committed with Justin Herbert, I mean, they need to get him an extra lineman. And so that there's only so many spots av- available in this first round for linemen. And then that's why I say they take uh, Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. 
as I mean, he has a high floor because he's strong, powerful frame. But then let's see if uh, he has the ability to translate his game into the NFL level. That's going to be really a big focus. I mean, that's from sportingnews.com. And this is going to be, uh, it's going to be tough for LA, especially in this division now. I mean, yeah. it's a good thing they got Khalil Mack, so they don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> but I got them taking Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. So it looks like I have the Eagles, which I thought you were going to. It's kind of upsetting. Um, according to Peter King, this is also one of those. Huh? Is that I enough? I said I already you? got him once, so. <laughs> yeah, that, apparently that's, that's enough. enough. I, whatever, man. Yeah. Uh, according, according to, uh, actually, this is a pick from New Orleans. Man, I don't know if this Peter King one is actually up to date because he has the uh, Green Bay Packers in number 18 via the Eagles. So I don't really know. Um, he has Johan Dotson, which is not a bad pick at all. But if you're the Eagles, I would say go defense. Um, and there's one guy that kind of sticks out to me, which, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to go for this. George, and I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Carla Tifus, Carla Tifus, he is an edge rusher for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I believe it's Iowa. Could be wrong. No, it's, oh, no, it's Purdue. Purdue. It's Purdue. Yeah. I was looking at this picture. I'm like, that looks like Iowa. Yeah, sure. There's uh, a versatile Ironman who could do almost anything. Uh, the team could ask him. He played at least 49 snaps in all but one game this past season and finished with a 90.6 PFF pass rushing grade. That was something that was lacking for the Eagles as well as pass rush. And the defense, I mean, you have an older, uh, oh, what's his name? Benny Vitty Curry. I believe, or Benny Curry, um, or no, not not Curry. Who is the other guy that's been? Oh, um, for the Eagles, I can't remember his name. He's been there for years. Cox, maybe it's yes, Cox Fletcher Cox. He's been there for years. I think this will take some pressure off of him. Um, this guy again, I can't even pronounce his last name. George, I'm just gonna call him Georgia Boy. Averaged 70 snaps a game as a true freshman in 2019, and he had a career high of 19 of 12 pressures versus Iowa last season. So I think he's gonna fit in with the Eagles from Purdue. I'm getting old Georgia Boy to uh, the e- to the Eagles, and actually, yeah, to the Eagles. So the 19th pick for the Saints. All right, yeah, so now New Orleans. They, they've they always found ways to find some diamonds in the rough with some of these key players, and one of those, I believe, is going to be Jordan Davis from Georgia. A big, big guy, 6'6", 341 pounds. Man, this guy is massive. And yet, like, the fact that he was one of the big guys out on the field, New Orleans is always known for their tough defense, and th- this guy, I mean... I'm sure some people will be trying to bring out the Vince Wilfork jokes. He's the he's the tall Vince Wilfork. So I'm I'm going with uh, Jordan Davis at that number 19. All right, number 20. I'm going to go with the hometown kid. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh Panthers uh, quarterback Kenny Pickett. Um, he's from Pittsburgh. He he knows the area. So I think, and if he falls into this lap, and a lot of these teams they do need quarterbacks. I don't know that the Carolina Panthers are going to go for a quarterback early. I don't think that the Washington commanders are going to go for a quarterback, even though they need it, but depending on what Carson Wentz can do, I don't think they're going to do it. 
So I think Kenny Pickett falls into the lap of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm going to pick him, the hometown boy. And now you have New England. Yeah, Look it, at that. <laughs> this is this this isn't really a draft where you take a quarterback with your top twenty pick because it's kind of stretching it a bit. Yeah, especially consider unless he's like top quality, ready to go like a quarterback like that. Because this is looking like uh, 2018, where the quarterback class is just a little. No, well, 2019, I mean, just not as seasoned because, I mean, you looked at some guys like Drew Locke and then like Daniel Jones, where he, some people would argue that's a stretch. And then, unfortunately, the late Dwayne Haskins, who unfortunately passed away, like he unfortunately just didn't work out with Washington initially. But now getting back to this, looking at New England, I mean, New England seems to be a team, I think, that's going to be building on defense because they don't really need anything offensively. Because they got Mac Jones at quarterback. They mm. were set right there. And then they still, I feel, have some offensive pieces. And so I feel that they're going after uh, Devin Lloyd, a linebacker. And oh, I, that I think stinks. That's, he, I think that's going to be uh, their their pick. <laughs> that's who I was actually going to go for, for, uh, for the Packers. So you got Lloyd going. Yeah, I got Lloyd going to uh, New England. I okay. think uh, seeing seeing how they got rid of all their defensive players. I mean, they let Van Noy go, and then seeing like Gilmore's been gone. I mean, since last year. I mean, th- this is uh, Bill Belichick's chance to really uh, get some new uh, life into a, into this defense. All right, so I'm gonna actually go with a whole. I I think this is gonna be an out of left field pick, but I think they need someone and I'm going to go with a receiver for the Packers. Oh, I'm going to go Johan Dotson. And I've seen Johan Dotson play before at Penn state. I think on this list that PFF actually has, I think he's better than quite a few of these guys um, on the list. That's still remaining. I think Dotson is a number one type kind of player a number one draft pick. They have him as a second round. I don't think so. He's got he had 11 catches for 242 yards and three scores against Maryland last season and eight catches for 144 yards and three scores against Ohio State the season before that. So I think this guy is going to be a good receiver. And he's again, he's on the shorter size. So if you put him in a slot, he's going to make you miss. So I'm going to give the Packers Johan Dotson. All right. So next I have the Arizona Cardinals as I mean, we're moving along with this draft real quick. But yeah. then looking at this, I mean, Arizona needs a lot on the defense. They need an edge rusher, a corner, a tackle, head coach, wide receiver. <laughs> eh, give Kingsbury one more year. I'm, I mean, if he doesn't get them to a, at least a conference championship, then they got to dump him. That's true. And then um, looking at this, I mean, there for edge rushers, there's still plenty available in mm-hmm. this uh, at this point after all the guys we've listed. And then I think they're going to take a guy from Florida State, Jermaine Johnson the second, as uh, he's got some uh, freakish qualities. <laughs> Apparently, that's what they say on SportingNews.com: freakish qualities. And I think seeing how they lost, they they decided not to bring Chandler Jones back. That was a big loss for them, and so they need to really push on the edge, knowing that uh, JJ Watt can also. Unfortunately, he can't stay healthy as well. They they he missed some game time last year, I believe. So I'm having them take Jermaine Johnson with that 23rd pick. Can someone explain to me what freakish qualities are? Cause I'd really love to hear that. <laughs> I, know. 
I mean, I think it's just complete dominance and just like <laughs> freakish. Yeah, right. Huge. Oh. <laughs> it used to be an old commercial in New York for a car company. It's huge. Uh, so I got Dallas Cowboys. Man, they okay. All right, let's see if this guy's available. Maybe, although I think I already took him. Yep, I did. So that's not going to help him. Uh, I what apparently to Peter King, Lindenbaum, who was already taken, I believe. Yeah, as the number twelfth pick for uh, Minnesota. So let's look at other offensive linemen. They do need an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, linebacker. I wonder if maybe Coach. McCarthy will go for defensive side. And if that's the case, I think I'm going to look at Nicobe Dean as the next draft from uh, Georgia, who's also on that national championship team. Nicobe Dean had a pick six against PBU versus Florida and PBU versus Florida. He had negative two yards allowed on four targets versus Michigan in the semifinal of this past season. And he had two sacks and five pressures against Clemson. So in big games, he comes up really big and he's not only a straight line fast, but he's also processing reacts with elite quickness. So I think that could be someone that the Cowboys have, really needed someone because obviously with Lee going down and not being the same player or also Vanderesh, he's starting to lose his quickness as well. I think that guy could really step in Nicobe Dean at number uh, 24 for the Cowboys. Okay. So now with the next pick, I got Buffalo and Buffalo. we're looking at uh, some of these <laughs> wide receivers. Um, I believe it got them taking a guy named uh, George Pickens. Uh, wide receiver and that I know Buffalo needs to continue to find new routes on offense, especially to really <laughs> finally beat Kansas city at some point in the <laughs> postseason. And we I think that's going to be uh, their end game to at least setting them forward. So I got them taking George Pickens at uh, that number 25th pick. All right. I think this is going to be an underrated pick, and I'm okay with it because it's also, according to PFF, the next best uh, receiver available for the Tennessee Titans at number 26. Sky Moore from Western Michigan. Um, He is 21 years old. He's 5'10", 195 pounds. He also has elite shiftness that plays so well at the receiver position, whether it's shaking press coverage or breaking the FBS high 26 tackles last season. He will make defenders miss with ease. In one game last year, he had seven broken tackles and on the same game, 181 yards against Eastern Michigan. And also, he had 10 catches for 123 yards and a score in an upset victory against against Kenny Pickett in the Pittsburgh Panthers. So I think this is a pretty good pick for the Titans who AJ Brown is there. I'm pretty sure they're done with um, uh, what's his face from Atlanta Falcons who I'm blinking on. Uh, Sugar plums. That receiver, you know, that good guy who got all these good Julio. That's who it was. I couldn't think of his name for a second. Um, But yeah, Julio Jones, I think they're finally done with him. And I think they're building for the future. And also, who knows if they're actually going to keep A.J. Brown as well. Because I've heard a lot of rumors that he may be on the move. All right. And then uh, now I got the 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers <clears throat> who now are injected with life with the fact that Tom Brady apparently just won't go away. <laughs> I mean, he just won't stop playing football. And then now looking at this next pick, I would think I, I know they have some issues on the line because they lost a lot of guys. Um, I, put, I think one of them like uh, just retired recently as uh, Zion Johnson. I have them taking uh, out of Boston College. I mean, Boston. yeah, I've been very strong on the run blocking. And then uh, is it? And he, they called him a road grader with his hands and enough agility to play either side or even at right tackle. So I'd imagine seeing how offensive linemen are probably going to be better drafted at a higher position. I would feel that's what the Buccaneers would do, especially considering, again, you need to protect Brady. So taking Zion Johnson at the 27th pick. There you go. Um, I think I'm going to agree with Peter King for once. Uh, I, he has Arnold Ibikite, Ibikite an huh. edge rusher from uh, Penn State. Um, he transferred from Temple, and he's 250 pounds. He's 6'2", so he knows he's got a lot of size and a lot of height with him. So he can also get some pressures, but he can also do a lot of pass uh, breakups as well, being 6'2". He had nine pressures against Michigan, and it seemed like in every game he had multiple pressures. So you know – that was Penn State's bread and butter anyways last season. Um, that was their defense, and that's pretty much what they always produce is defensive guys anyways. So I, I'm going to go with Arnold Ibiki. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that. But I'm going to go with Arnold from uh, from Penn State. <laughs> hey, Arnold, come on. Yeah, right? <laughs> All right. So now we got uh, – I got Kansas City, right? Yep. Yeah. So Kansas City. I mean, I, I haven't taken a wide receiver since uh, they lost Tyreek Hill. In, yep. uh, that since he doesn't want to come back, I, I think they're going to go after an Alabama guy. I think it's uh, John Mechie from Alabama. Uh, okay. Because you know, I mean, seeing how uh, Jalen Waddle was a surprise for Miami, and seeing how he was actually a top offensive rookie talent, I think uh, uh, Kansas City would definitely want to take a wide receiver in their their first pick i believe they have back-to-back picks if i'm not they mistaken. do and so yep. i think i think they're going to use that first one at least on a wide receiver so if i'm not mistaken i believe tyron matthew is gone from kansas city um and according to arrowhead addict which doesn't sound like a real thing however uh, <laughs> i mean i'm pretty sure it's all based off of what kansas city does uh, they say the Kansas City Chiefs leave door open for Tyron Matthew reunion. So to me, that sounds like Tyron Matthew is no longer in Kansas City. Now, if that is the case, they're going to need a safety. And it looks like one of the best that are still available for them is Lewis Seen. Cine? Seen? I don't know how to pronounce it. From Georgia. Uh, he had seven yards on one to three targets against Michigan in the semifinals. Uh, or he allowed only seven yards on one to three targets against Michigan and it, two PBUs against Clemson. I'm assuming that's past breakups. I don't even know what PBUs is. I think that's a weird thing. Um, he like is <laughs> what I said. It sounds like a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I know I'm getting hungry, but man, stop doing that to me. Uh, scene was the biggest riser down the stretch for Georgia defense. And he's one heck of a tackler too. Uh, for his career, he only missed 11 tackles on 159 attempts and he's a junior. 
So he's 6'2", just shy of 200 pounds, 22 years old. I think this is a good draft pick, especially with Tyron Matthew. And now that would mean Tyron Matthew either could come back and become a mentor for him, or they're just going to be done with him. And they're going to be, they're going to try to produce this guy as the next Tyron Matthew honey badger. All right. So now we have the Cincinnati Bengals, the defending oh, AFC champions. And I'd imagine they'd shot more on defense because you think so? Yeah. I mean, the wide receivers, I mean, they got, they don't need any. They got Jamar Chase carrying the way. So. But not even the offensive line that like that, that's what hurt them a lot in the playoffs last year and in the yeah, Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's see. I mean, it's just that knowing that there's so many offensive linemen available. I mean, true. I mean, at least where, where would you take them? And you don't want to really, I mean, there's going to be some like pick that's like, okay, that was maybe a stretch, but then, uh, Oh, there's always going to be that. Yeah. But then looking at who's the top offensive lineman available, I would have to probably say they go after Nicholas Petit or Petit, uh, Frere from Ohio state, 316 pounds, uh, as you know, Guy from Ohio, definitely want to bring in some local talent. As uh, you know, Joe Burrow was from Ohio, and I think this is going to work well, fan favorite. So, again, uh, that Nicholas Pettit Frere from Ohio State, from offensive tackle at number 31. All right. So, according to Peter King, I have the Lions as the last pick, which I picked Trayvon Walker as their edge rusher uh, originally. Um According to Peter King, he has them trading this pick to the Atlanta Falcons, which is pretty interesting, uh, which means the Atlanta Falcons would be going for a quarterback, and that would probably be only the second quarterback pick off of our board. Um, if I'm looking correctly, yeah, that is that would be the first, the second quarterback besides Kenny uh, Pickett for Pittsburgh. So, again, Detroit needs so much. I, I would think that they would want to stick more to the defensive side. Um, and they already have the edge rusher. So maybe a defensive tackle, I feel like, would be smart. And I, I think, if I'm looking correctly, this guy's looking pretty good. Maybe we'll pick him up as a nose tackle. Um, Travis Jones from UConn, who's 6'4", 325 pounds, um, he was honestly one of the brightest spots for Connecticut's roster on a very not good roster. Anyways, he's a monster space eating nose tackle, but he can be a little more than that. He racked up 25 pressures and 21 run stops. So someone that could clog up the middle, but also push the offensive lineman back. He played 50 plus snaps in nine of 11 games last season. And he had a career high, not five pressures against Clemson. So five of the 25 pressures he had in all the season who came against Clemson. So, you know, he can play against big teams. I think that's a good pickup for the lions. If they don't trade this, um, this pick and the final pick of the first round. Now, obviously that is a first round, which what the heck I'm not doing that. (laughs) They wanted me to sign some money in no way. I'm good with that. (laughs) But yeah, this is our, um, our mock, well, at least, yeah, our mock draft, which I will download and I will put this on our Facebook page in a little bit today, or maybe I'll do it Thursday uh, to see if you agree or disagree with our picks. So, but yeah, we have Aiden Hutch's 
one, Walker two, uh, Cross three, Gardner four, and Thibodeau five. So, and you can take a look at our the rest of our draft board uh, later on on our Facebook page. But how do you feel about the draft? Well, looking at this, I mean, so much talent that I think is going to be, I, I think it's going to be somewhat accurate, but then like at least for the first few picks, then after that, it's uh, I think free game. And then honestly, there's probably going to be at least one trade, maybe out of Philly or even New Orleans. I, I actually probably think Kansas City may trade. Kansas City could trade one of the, one, at least one of those picks because, you know, back to back. I mean, it's like, OK, what are you going to do? I mean, it's it's almost like a, that one fantasy pick that you get if you're at the end of your draft in your fantasy league. Where it's like, OK, mm-hmm. I pick this guy and then, yep, we're going again. Then you pick up, pick up another guy. Well, the other thing is, and I've heard a lot of stories that Kansas City may trade up early to get Garrett Wilson because they think that he's going to be the next Tyreek Wilson. So that is also something else to look out for. Um, when you're watching the trade. And again, Debo Samuel could be on the move during this trade. There's, there's a lot of opportunities for trades. And is Atlanta really going to start find, figuring out their next successor for Matt Ryan? Because again, Matt Ryan is either, isn't he gone at this point? Yeah, no, yeah he's with Indy, yeah. Yeah, so they would need a quarterback anyways. So I could I could see them. Uh, getting someone early and maybe instead of Kai Hamilton, they actually go for Malik Willis, who we didn't pick in our uh, first one, but yeah, you never know. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because Atlanta right now, their option for quarterback, I believe is Marcus Mariota. Yeah. So clearly he's only a backup. Now, by the way, speaking of someone that was drafted from Penn state, Michael Parsons, as of right now is in Harrisburg because one of my friends who's covering for channel 21 is covering his press conference. Okay. Yeah. And also speaking of bonus episodes, we, I am going to be doing a bonus episode. Um, I have an interview with someone, not getting names, but it's a show that I watch pretty religiously, uh, not going to lie. And he was on this kind of not really a game show, but he was on this uh, cooking show on a network that lives in central PA. I found out where he is. I found a connection to him and I'm going to try to put that together as a bonus episode. So I'm going to tease that now. I can tell you a little bit later on once we're off the air, off the show, but yeah, that'll be coming up soon. And eventually we will be doing more interviews as well because interviews are fun and sports are going to die. Like once the NBA playoffs start to like kind of die down, there's really nothing else to talk about besides baseball. And it kind of gets old after a while. <laughs> All right. So uh, now it's time to do uh, on this day in sports history. Yes, sir. Uh, Got a lot of things going on in this day in sports history. Ooh, tell from us on this day in sports.com. Uh, for uh, 19 on this day in 1912, the first home run hit at Fenway Park as oh, that's uh, terrible. The, the opening of Fenway Park. And then uh, in 1931, Lou Gehrig hit a home run, but it was called back because he had passed a runner as <laughs> yeah, this is an illegal move. And unfortunately, that home run cost him the AL home run crown that year, and he ended up tying Babe Ruth that season. Oh, man. Yeah, so that took it away. And then 
And on this day in 1941, uh, the first organ was at the MLB stadium, the Chicago Cubs. So, oh. you know, charge. Yep. And all, <laughs> all of that began with the Chicago Cubs in 1966. Red Auerbach officially retired as the Boston Celtics head coach. Again, huh? as a big day since, you know, it's the Boston Celtics after beating <laughs> Brooklyn and then uh, got some events going on. Uh, here was one I found interesting. Mike Tyson uh, gets a speeding ticket for a drag race in his Lamborghini in Albany, New York in 1989. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then um, here's some, uh, uh, here's another one. Baseball season begins after a lengthy strike in 1995. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I'm glad to see that hasn't changed. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. And then uh, here's, here's some news about the NFL draft. Uh, on this day, 1983, the Colts selected John Elway. As, wow. Yeah, and he would eventually work his way out and get traded to Denver because he wanted to play. He didn't want to play for the Baltimore Colts at the time. And Wasn't then, there another player that did that? That same strategy? I don't want to play for your team. Gee, yeah. I wonder who that was. Yeah, that was good old Eli Manning. <laughs> he, he didn't want to play for the Chargers. And honestly, I think that was the best decision he ever made. <laughs> it was probably the only best decision he's ever made in his life. Hey, 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 come on. Besides the Manning cast for uh, Monday Night Football, which is also, if you think about that right now, like you're going to have the Manning cast, but then you're also going to have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman calling the game. Which, what do you really listen to? Well, I mean, there are some people that don't like Joe Buck, so, I mean, True. then they'll listen to the Mannings. And then uh, to quickly wrap it up here, as uh, you got 2003, Carson Palmer was selected with the first-round pick. Uh, 2008, Jake Long was selected by the Miami Dolphins. And then 2012, the Colts selected Andrew Luck with wow. uh, their draft pick. And then in 2018, Baker Mayfield was selected for the Cleveland Browns. As the first, and look how that went. Yeah, that's not working out so well, but that was given to us from onthisday.com. Interesting. All right. So the quote of the day, I get the honors of doing that today. And it's, I, I don't even know how to pronounce this last name, by the way. So I, I apologize if I butchered this. It's from Dieter F. Yuchtdorf. And it's German. So um, that's all I can say about that. And I'm not going to say it again. It is your reaction to adversity, not adversity itself, that determines how your life story will develop. So, again, it is it's your reaction to adversity, not adversity itself, that determines how your life story will develop. So sometimes and I it's really funny. I just had this conversation with a um, kid of mine yesterday at the Boys and Girls Club uh, where I work. And we were talking about you're allowed to have feelings, but it's how you react to those feelings that gets you in trouble or doesn't get you in trouble. So it's really funny that I picked this uh, quote, not thinking about that conversation yesterday, just kind of worked out that way. So maybe we'll uh, say that same quote to her, to that person today um, and just kind of get that out. But yeah, sometimes it is just our reaction, what gets us in trouble and what kind of guides us through and sometimes we just have we overreact sometimes we don't you know sometimes your dog eats your uh, banana bread that your wife made for you and sometimes yeah it happened today and right before our show i was like are you serious are you serious oh so yeah it's quite upset about that sometimes things happen you know yeah they do just but 
that is going to do it for episode 18. Thank you again for listening, no matter where you listen to, whether it be Spotify, uh, Apple, Google. Don't forget, you can also email us at middaymanasports at gmail. And we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts, your questions. Why do you guys talk so much? Why do you talk so little? Why do you talk a little about this? Give us a holler. We'll try to email you back as best as possible. But for Noah Pegler, Eric Miller, that's going to do it for us. Uh, We'll see you next time. And until next time.